fear is always linked to a belief. There is always a belief behind mm. a fear. And fear is the expectation that you will experience something in the future which has more negative impact on you than positive. You will either lose something which is valu valuable to you or you will gain something you imagine will bring you more suffering than now. And that's always one of the two. And behind, there is always a, a belief that, okay, I will lack of money and maybe I will end up alone. I will lose my house. I don't know. And it's always, it's most of the time, unreal fears. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to, to ask yourself what, what lies behind the fear? Which beliefs and are they true or not? And do you want to keep them? And what's the options you have in case this scenario happens? And then, okay, who takes the power back? Whether you're looking to achieve financial freedom, boost your personal development, or enhance your business acumen, you are in the right place. My name is Simone Simaluka Radzins, and I am on a journey for true business freedom, and I want to have you along for the ride. Each week, we dive deep into the topics that empower you to live a more free and fulfilling life, and also give you the tools to do that in your business. I was happy that I speak some French when I was reading your profile. I was like, what? She does real estate? What? She does hypnotherapy? And we're so aligned and with RTT and all of that. And I was like, wow, you know, a lot about very two different subjects. Like yeah, real estate and hypnotherapy and RTT. Which one of those subjects did you first learn about? I started with real estate, but I like to say that real estate brings me to RTT. So there is a link between both. So um, I started my career in real estate. I've worked in the real estate sector for more than 15 years, but that's when I decided to invest for myself in a real estate project that I discovered all the fears, limiting beliefs, and so on. And when I started this project, at the same time, by chance, or I don't know if there is any chance, but I discovered Marie Sapir, the founder of RTT, and I discovered all the subconscious and all the um, beliefs you have at a subconscious level and so on. And I think both are, are really linked in my life and I still do real estate and I love being a therapist. So yeah, it's a mix. It is a mix. What was your first real estate project then that you did for yourself? Yeah. Briefly, so just to tell you, in 2017, I got separated with my partner at that time. And for 13 years before, I haven't taken care at all of my personal finance. I had a salary. I never looked at my bank accounts. So I wasn't into money for me. <laughs> I was working in real estate, but not taking care at all of my money. And when I got divorced, the first thing I wanted to do is to take over my personal finance. I was, okay, I had two kids at that time and it was really important to me. And I was, I need to invest. I need to make my money work. I need to do some stuff with my money. And I decided to invest 
in a real estate project for myself in 2019, just before the first lockdown. And I wanted to buy an apartment at the beginning. I think it was a very simple project. And at the end, I bought a building. I did works in it, five apartments. and <laughs> So completely different stuff. And probably because I worked on my mindset at the same time with RTT. So it really helps me to free some limiting beliefs and to shift my mindset. So I was, I'm the queen of the world and I was really confident. So I overcame many challenges with that, but I was quite happy to, to do it alone. And I bought in France. I lived in Belgium at that time. So it was not really easy, but I did it and uh, I'm proud of it because um, yeah, I think I, I hit my target and, and much more than I thought I could do at the beginning. Yes. I think at first, knowing that you were going for an investment that's like secondary residence or really just actually a business is huge. A lot of people, and this is particularly big in the US, so, oh, I, and I'm curious about, I feel like it's also in France living the dream of, I need to buy my house because I have this asset. And then you put, so, which is great, right? You have an asset, but you invest so much money in the down payment. You don't have a lot of cash flow left. Now you're living there. And what happens is that I feel like this with hypnotherapy and just like RTT is like, then you're just getting used to that. I live here. Okay. This is the mortgage. Maybe I'm not looking at my bank account. Maybe I should. And I'm just going to go into that cycle. But what you did, which I love, which is so empowering, is that you thought, okay, hold on, let's do a project here. And I love that it's a project. So very separate from any emotion. Of course, the emotion of making it successful is, is important, but that you turned one. And I'm curious, is, is it, I follow some real estate stuff in the US. Is it because you have one building now with, is it, do you call it five doors? Is that how you use it in real estate terms where it's like essentially five units? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's the same. Yeah. Five doors. Yeah. Five doors. What was it that expanded your vision to hold that? Because like, how can you walk us through? And I agree with you. Nothing happens out of chance. There was a reason that in that time period you discovered, however you discovered to unlock your limiting beliefs, but what was that? Do you think what specific limiting belief unlocked you to go from, I'm just going to get an, an apartment to a building with five doors. That's a very good question because before that I did a, a training here in France, which was called wealth and freedom in French, it was a, a group program and it was all about how to invest. And that was a, a, a small part about mindset. And, and I started to, to work on my beliefs at a conscious level, but I think that's, that, that was not enough to allow me to do that. I would say maybe the beliefs I shifted it that it's a very simple belief, but there is always a solution. I did a heartity session to myself just before doing this, uh, signing this offer for this building. And I discovered that I had at a subconscious level, the belief that it always um, go bad. I'm not mm -hmm. sure my English is perfect, but that, that was, I, I don't know why, but I had that belief and 
I guess before I had always that at a subconscious level. So it was blocking me to dare doing doing big stuff. And then I shifted that and I shifted that with okay, everything will be okay. There is always a solution. So I knew there would be challenges with this acquisition, but when I signed, when I did the acquisition, I was okay. You will have problems because that's always the case with real estate. So don't worry about that. You will make it. You will overcome any issue. And maybe I could tell that to myself at a conscious level before, but I didn't really feel it. But when you feel it, it gives you, it really empowers you. And, and I don't know, maybe I'm a little bit mad as well. But mm. yeah, I this was this session which was a really real shift to me yeah i think it well it's interesting because you mentioned something this is for me what drives me bonkers about all this stuff of understanding hypnotherapy understanding some of the tools for rtt which stands for rapid resolution therapy correct yeah rapid transformational therapy but there are rt and rtt then is there another there is yeah all rt um it's not quite different, but <laughs> that's it's always like, about subconscious works. Okay. It's so funny how it's like you start getting down the rabbit hole of, oh, okay, my subconscious and all this stuff. And then you realize that the different solutions are so close in names, you, you get a little confused. But what I noticed is it's pretty easy for me now to spot limiting beliefs. And I also noticed that when I conquer a limiting belief, I get another one. It's like a little, like, it's, I feel like it's deeper and deeper into my subconscious. You talk to us a little bit about the layers of consciousness of what we believe and what we see that is limiting us to really getting to that subconscious level to reprogram. Yeah, exactly. I sometimes tell to my clients, it's like an onion. You start mm -hmm. with the first layer, then then you go deeper and deeper. So it's a, a never-ending game, I would say. But when you, when you, I think the first one are the biggest. So first work, the foundation is the deepest, and it probably the work which has the biggest impact on your life. And then it's, I say sometimes in France, it's jewelry. It's just, you make it better and better. But I think first layers have the biggest impact in your life. So uncovering that first layer of limiting beliefs. Yeah, it's your true. You, when you shift one, you discover another one. It's, yeah, I mean, I feel like, but then it's easier to discover and it's a little yeah. bit easier. Actually, this is where I feel, I really want to know about the work that you do, walking us through actually, what do you do with clients and how quickly people are able to transform? Because there's a lot of self tools out there. I think I did this beautiful program this last year and I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about my limiting beliefs about manifesting, about different techniques that I personally could use on my own without guidance to really help myself. And I can't believe actually how much I discovered, how much I healed trauma that I didn't even know was there. But I'm now at a point where I'm like, okay, I can do my breathwork sessions. That's great. But it's kind of, I feel like now it's the blind leading the blind. And 
I feel like it's not politically correct to say. So I feel like it's just, I'm blindfolded and I'm walking, you know, I'm just walking in a direction. I don't know which direction I'm walking in. Why is it, what do you do then with people to help them dive deeper into their subconscious programming? Yeah. I think what I do with my clients or with people um, I work with is a very simple process with three steps. First step is really to get clarity on where you stand, but most importantly, on where you want to go. Because sometimes the origin of a blockage is because you don't get, you don't have real clarity on what you want. And in the subconscious mind, when you have conflicting beliefs, it creates like you are, you don't really know, and you have this the impression not to move forward because you want something at a conscious level and another stuff to an unconscious. So that's the first step, which is quite important because in the subs, we will work on reprogramming the subconscious. So we know, we need to know what to reprogram, where you want to go, because maybe you want to go or to achieve something, which is not the same to another uh, person. And it seems pretty simple, but it's not always the case. So you need to be guided to get better clarity on what you want. And I agree with you. I think that's sometimes, for me, that's usually the biggest issue. Of, there's like visualizations that I've been doing lately and it's like, visualize exactly what you want. I'm like, I feel like I'm in it. I feel like there are aspects that I am visualizing that I see that are so potent. That is a reality that I currently do not have. But then when there's other aspects, because I always like to think about like the wheel of your life. And so with my family, with my community, with my friends, with my business, with my own professional, with my relationship with myself. And then there's aspects in that wheel that are very clear, but some of them are not clear. And to me, I'm curious from the work that you've been able to do, why is it that people are so unclear? They know that they want to yeah. get something. But what is it that's holding them back from that clarity? Yeah, I think that's a good, very good question. And what I see a lot is that we live in a world where we see many stuff with the social networks and so on. And probably the big mistake I see is that we take values that are not our value, but we think, especially with money, I will give you an example. It will be probably more clear, but... With money, you can say, okay, I want 10K, 20K, 50K, whatever, turnover by months. But for most people, they, they say that because they saw someone who did that in three months and say, okay, I should do 10K, 20K. But it doesn't mean anything for them. And it's not their value, or maybe money is not their value, and they haven't done the link between money and their own values. And it's and they get blurred on what they want because they think that they should want the same as that people who is very successful. And it's, I think that's one of the main reasons why people don't get clear because they don't trust themselves and they mm -hmm. think they should do as well as someone else, but they don't know the whole picture. Mm. And they think, okay, if to be considered as a good coach or had a good entrepreneur, I should do that turnover or I should do that. 
I define metrics that are not correlated to what I will do or what I want or what I like. And they always compare themselves with someone else yeah. who is different to them. And they don't... Yeah, I think it's, it's courageous to, to assume your own values, even if they are not aligned with what society expects from you and so on. So for, for me, that's probably the biggest reason. Um, yeah, it makes sense because if you think about just programming, right, our subconscious programming, our money habits were formed by six, which is wild. And then what society tells specifically women about, are you good with money? Oh, you don't need to worry about money. Be naive about money, right? The list goes on and on about that. Pretty soon you just start to realize as you become aware of these conversations, are my beliefs actually my beliefs? And if you've been in moving to Europe, even being with somebody that is French, I quit and, and a French mother-in-law that's in her seventies, I quickly realized just that we would have so much mindset conflict of what we believed was even possible about the possibility to whatever, start a business, the possibility to go meet somebody that you've never known and, and not feel weird about it. And so there's this interesting thing about following a program and never even asking yourself because you never had the space because nobody told you that you could have the space to say, what are my values? For you, for me, I actually do the, I do the value exercise a lot because I teach the value exercise and I'm, I'm actually did it again. That are my values because it's easy again, like you said, to get sucked in to this narrative, especially if you're an entrepreneur or whatever. I think let's just the entrepreneur that you have to make a certain amount of money. And that's the, that was a, the very big, and I'm still quite into that narrative, almost just to prove to myself something into that narrative, but that's not why a lot of women actually start their business because they're like, it's just one aspect of wealth is the number. There's so much more behind. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I fully agree with you. And so that's important to get that clarity first, to be sure that we will define new beliefs and new programs that are really aligned with what you want yeah. and not beliefs that you think should be yours. So yeah. that's the first step, definitely. How do you, how did you, what's your value exercise that you do? How do you help people? And at first, before we get into that, are people aware of their values at the get-go or... No. Naturally, I would say. What I I really the exercise by John DeMartini. I don't know. If, I think he's American or English. I don't know. And he has a free test on his website, which is quite interesting. It speaks a lot about the values, the highest priorities in your life. So it's uh, pretty interesting. And what I ask people are, where do you spend your money? Where do you spend your time? Because most people think that their values are blah, 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 but mm -hmm. their life doesn't demonstrate that. And exactly. um, it's super interesting to see the gap between, yeah, my highest value is, for instance, my family, but I spend 90% of my time at work. So are you sure that <laughs> your highest priority is your family? 
and there are all that judgments and so on and they think that they should have that value or that value so it's always important to take time to really understand what is their life to help them define their highest value and sometimes that's not a value but your life demonstrate that. Yeah, it's an awakening, right? Like I started this program about health and I don't count my calories at all, but for this program, I had to write down what I was eating. The fact that I knew I had to tell somebody and she didn't look, which is the funny part. I had to write it down and she never asked me for it, but that I had to tell somebody what I was eating and I love my chocolate at 4 p.m. in the afternoon. I think there's some subconscious stuff there. But I was like, oh, I was much more aware of it. And it was an awakening for me just to understand, okay, I actually maybe don't have the healthiest relationship with chocolate every afternoon. And I was curious about that. And so when people do that value exercise with you, what are, what's like the biggest takeaway that they have? Because it, it seems almost like there's a misalignment. There, it, tell me about when you go and you're in that space with somebody, what is it like? Yeah, I worked a lot with with money and probably everyone wants to earn more money, to increase that turnover. It's always about money because it's true that it's important in our society, not a target, but I think the biggest frustrations are often about money. But when we do the exercise for some of them, they are not interested in money at all. And when they do the value, okay, money is not number one, not number two, not number three, maybe number five. And they, they don't like reading newspapers about investments or money. And that's, okay, <laughs> a big awakening of my relationship with money. Maybe I need to clarify some stuff and I need to probably to link money with what I really like. So that's uh, another exercise I do with them. Okay, money is not in your highest values, but how to, how money can serve your highest value. So you, at a subconscious level, you change your relationship with money. And I think that's always pretty funny. And it's true that for people who have money in the highest value, it's much more easy for them to earn more money, to invest, to spare mm -hmm. money. Yeah, I think that's sometimes the, the big awakening, as you say, okay, how can I make money more important to me, linking money to what is really important to me, probably my family or big dreams I have. And for women, especially, it's quite important to, to do this link. Otherwise, you still, you can hope earning more money, but it, it, it's just a dream, but it, well, it's not reality. It's not reality. And I think that a lot of people want more money. But then if you, like you said, you peel back the layers and they're not doing anything or they think they're doing things. I think that's the one thing I've learned is we make mistakes all the time. We're not aware of the mistakes that we're making, right? So somebody might be doing everything that they think they're supposed to do to be making money and then they're not. What is that big disconnect that you're seeing specifically when someone says, I want a lot of money, but what's not actually happening for them and, and what do you help them realize yeah but i always start asking question is just look at your relationship with money look at what you earn 
-hmm. what you spend, mm -hmm. what you keep, and what you invest. And just, okay, just look at what you do with money. And sometimes <laughs> with that question, it's a, it's a hard moment where some women, okay, I see that I can earn money, but I spend so much. I don't really keep money for myself and investment not at all. Or sometimes it's okay. I, I, I keep a lot of money, but I don't invest. I don't make my, my money work. So it's not a problem to me to earn money once again, but I keep it because at the end I realized that I have a huge fear of losing money, of lacking money. Yeah. And so for me, it's, it's pretty simple, but just observe what you do with money in these four areas and you will already have huge insight about your relationship to money. Do you think you deserve to make your money work for yourself with passive income, for instance? And sometimes it's, oh, okay, no, no, I was not aware that I could, I could make my money work for me. Yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> what about subconscious and not subconscious, but what about the idea about an abundant mindset and a scarcity mindset? Like we hear it often. And for you, can you define both of those? What is an abundant mindset? What is a scarcity mindset? Yeah, I've helped dozens of women this year with money and I think at the root cause of a scarcity mindset, what I see a lot is at the subconscious level, beliefs about I don't really deserve, I'm not enough, I should prove, I should, yeah, I need to deserve, so I need to work hard. It can't be easy and that creates a scarcity mindset because you even when you earn money, you still have this fear of losing, this fear of lacking, and mm -hmm. you don't really celebrate what you achieve because mm -hmm. at a deep level, you think that it won't last forever because you don't really deserve that. And at a subconscious level, it's uh, quite often related to um, memories of guilt or shame mm -hmm. with money or, or not with money. That's what's funny because our relationship to money is not defined only by our money mindset, but also by other beliefs which have an impact on our relationship with money. So yeah, for me, the scarcity mindset is a lot about this not enoughness, not deserving. And How many of your clients operate at that level? Like a percentage. Sorry. How many of your clients operate at that? If you thought in yeah. a percentage. Yeah, um, probably I would say it's a rough figure, but I would say 70%. Wow. Yeah, that's and a lot. That's a lot. And we talked about money, but you also said it doesn't matter. It, it could be other areas of their life. Do you believe that we can have scarcity mindset in one category of our life? And, an, and you'll define abundant in a second, but an abundant mindset in another category. Is that possible? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because it's always linked to your capacity of giving, asking, receiving. And mm -hmm. what's funny is sometimes it's pretty difficult for someone to receive money 
but it will be quite easy to receive attention, for instance. Yeah, it's, or it can be quite easy to receive money, but not easy to receive praise. So, yeah, it's true. It can be different depending on the areas of your life. Yeah, it's so interesting. And then what I learned in that manifestation course, and then we'll get up to abundance, is that an, an easier way without obviously doing the deep work, but then if you want to do something on your own, is like trying to figure out that feeling that you have in that other area of your life where yeah. it's easy to manifest. So if you're really trying to yeah. manifest more money, okay, actually think about that feeling that you had. And then you, from a, just an energetic level, you can feel so different. It's just, it's so interesting. Yeah. But you're very true because one question I often ask to people is, where is your wealth right now? Where is your wealth? Maybe you don't have the bank account you would love. Yeah. But where is your wealth? Is it your relationship with your husband, with your kids? Is it your health? Because it's, it's something which is quite valuable as well. And what would be the value you would put in front of that? If I ask you to, if I ask you, okay, what would be the cost of your good health right now? Maybe it would be several millions, maybe billions. I don't know. And I say, okay, that's where your wealth is right now. So you're already rich, maybe not with money, maybe not your bank account. And when you get aware of that, the energy is shifting and you're true. You can start manifesting because you uh, are aware of what you have and you are grateful for what you have even if it's not yeah. everything. <clears throat> so interesting. So what about abundance? How do you define abundance? Yeah, abundance for me is um, well, um, an energy in which you have, because for me, it's not really linked to what you have, because yeah. to be honest, that's a question I often ask. Do you think you live in abundance? And... I think most of us live in an abundance life right now. We, if you have a roof, if you have enough to eat, okay. But what's funny is that so many people don't think that they live in an abundant life. So mm. for me, it's, it's more an emotional state, feeling that there is enough, that you are enough and that there is enough. And yeah, it's a lot about trusting, about confidence. And it's not because I will have a new car or a bigger house that would mean that I live abundance. For me, that's not about that. It's more about feeling that I have enough, even though I can want more and I can want, I, I can have big dreams, but I still, I already feel that yeah, everything is there for me. Everything is av available to me. Yeah. How often do you have to work on your mindset related to abundant mm. thinking versus scarcity thinking? Yeah. <laughs> um, I've done a lot, but I still do. <laughs> and as an entrepreneur, I think it's, it's always there because oh it's always um, there yes it's always there so you can manage it 
quicker, easier. Mm -hmm. It's true, definitely true. And it's, I think I've worked a lot on that and I feel much more confident that I, that I was probably two or three years ago. But yes, sometimes it comes back because you have amounts where you don't succeed. You don't succeed as you would have liked and it's come back. But you have tools to shift that easier. And that's what's different. Yeah. What do you do when you have those months where you're like, no, I, it wasn't what I thought. It's where you, I guess, the lowers yeah. of the highs of the months. What are the tools that you use? Yeah, I ask myself one simple question, which could be surprising because it, it, I will tell it, I will tell it to you and you will tell me what you think. But what I ask myself is what's, what's the worst which could happen to you? Oh yeah. And that's a question people don't really like because now we are focused. Okay. You should think positive and so you don't you shouldn't think of what could happen in a negative way but for me it's quite helpful because most of the time I think, okay worst case what could happen but i will find a solution there are there are so many options okay i'm not in a real danger that that fear i see i observe okay you can go because I took my power back and that question is really pouring me when I experience negative state or negative emotional state. What is that fear scientifically that's coming? Because we know it's not a real fear, like it's false emotions mm -hmm. appearing real. Is that what you define as the ego coming in to... Definitely. I think a fear is always linked to a belief. There is always a belief behind mm -hmm. a fear. And fear is the expectation that you will experience something in the future which has more negative impact on you than positive. You will either lose something which is value, valuable to you or you will gain something you imagine will bring you more suffering than now. And that's always one of the two. And behind, there is always a, a believe that, okay, I will lack of money and maybe I will end up alone. I will lose my house. I don't know. And it's always, it's most of the time, unreal fears. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to, to ask yourself what, what lies behind the fear, which beliefs and are they true or not? And do you want to keep them? And what's the options you have? in case this scenario happens and then okay you take I your power it. back exactly it's taking your power back and i love that question that you asked it's, do you want to keep them you've realized are these even true beliefs do you want to still keep them because that to me is where you have so much power no i don't want to keep them and it's not just as easy as saying, no, I don't want to keep them, but that I feel like alone and, and tell me like scientifically, like if I'm aware, if I go through that exercise, I'm like, I realize, wow, I've got a lot of limiting beliefs. Uh, I've identified one, let's say, I don't want to keep this. What, by just saying that is an impact, but scientifically, is there, how much, can you quantify 
by just acknowledging, I'm letting this go, just at that conscious level saying that, is that a big impact somebody can make? But it can help. It's always better than saying the contrary. But sometimes it's not enough. That's why to rewire the subconscious, I work with audio. Mm -hmm. I do for my clients personalized uh, audios. I ask them to, I invite them, I can Mm -hmm. say, to listen every day for at least three weeks to reprogram, to create new neuronal pathways because when you have a when you've had a belief for 10 20 maybe more years it's pretty strong and your mind likes what is familiar even if it's not good for you yeah working at a subconscious level sometimes it's okay because it was not so deep and it's fine and sometimes you need to go a little bit deeper at a subconscious level to repeat the belief in order for your subconscious to really reprogram and rewire. Yeah, that's what that's the other thing that I learned. Yeah. And does it matter in terms of the frequency? If you listen to an audio, because aren't we normally operating like right now in the brainwave, we're in the beta brainwave, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have to do you have to go deep to pass that? Can you talk? I guess could you actually explain for everybody? the different brain waves, just the one-on-one version of it and what level really helps tackle subconscious beliefs. When I work, I use hypnosis, but I always say the hypnosis I use is a very natural state, which is pretty accessible for everyone. That's roughly the same state as you are when you meditate, for those who meditate, which is a alpha brainwave state. So the beta brainwave state is the, the state you are probably whole day when <laughs> you think a lot, uh, when you're quite aware. And the alpha brainwave state is just below. What I do is just to, um, we put aside your conscious. The conscious is still there. So we don't need to go in a gamma or, or delta state where which is more like a trance so you need oh. to go very deep but it's not easily accessible for everyone so the good news is that to discuss with your subconscious mind you don't need to go into that state you just need to go to an alpha brainwave state and i like to do quick exercises to show people how to to reach their subconscious level and it's a very natural state. It's a, the same state like when you're in a car, not driving, you're just like that, looking at the landscape and a little bit dreaming. That's that alpha brainwave state. And the point here is that we just open the door to the subconscious so we can grab the information we need to understand the root cause of what is limiting you. And then we can put new seeds, new beliefs in it. But you're still conscious because we discuss. It's a discussion between both. I love that. Is it ever that if somebody has something very deep that they have to go into the delta or the gamma? Like, how does that yeah. work? You know how we're talking about so many layers of subconscious yeah. beliefs? How does that work? I don't work in that deep brainwave levels because i don't need to and i think it's it took more time when you and 
it's not the same for everyone. I don't know if you've already experienced the hip in the theater or they always took 20 or 30 people and they do small tests like, okay, I will do stuff with my fingers and I check who is the most suggestible. And on a panel of probably 20, 30 people, I will choose one which is quite suggestible and I can put him or put her very deep, very quickly. Mm. But for some people, it's, it's not easy at all. So it will take a lot of time to put them in that gamma or delta state. So hopefully I don't need that to work at a subconscious level because otherwise I couldn't work with everyone. And uh, but it's amazing to see how suggestible we are in a different way. And for people, it's quite easy to go very deep. And for other people, it's nearly impossible or it will take much time. And why is that? Why are some of us so suggestible and some of us are, is it, are just not? What's the reasoning behind that? Yeah, that's a good question. It's, I, I, I don't really know, but what I know is that sensitive people, very creative people mm-hmm. are very suggestible and it's amazing. When I speak with someone who is really creative, an artist, or a highly sensitive people, you know that it will be quite easy to reprogram the... So I don't know really why. That's I, I will check. I will search for what's the reason why some people are so suggestible and some people and for some people it's it's more difficult. Yeah, keep me posted because yeah. for me, I've done this, but now, since I took this whole program, I haven't been been to a hypnotherapist. And about a year and a half ago, when I a little bit longer, when I moved to Lagos, I always find that life just points me in the right direction, and I'm open to suggestions. I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. And so I moved here, and before I joined the gym, I was like, I need to pick up a hobby. And this woman was selling some, and I've never, I've really never used the thing that I bought, but like this woman was selling like macrame. I'm really not, that's not my type of hobby, but I thought maybe I could try to be my hobby. And she, I ended up just chatting with her and she was moving and she was telling me a little bit about what she does and she does past life regression. Yeah. And at that moment yeah. I was like, it just stuck a chord with me. I didn't even know what that was, but I was like, okay. I was like, I'd like to book a session with you. And so what we did, I, she took me into a very deep state, but we, I am so glad she sent me an email afterwards about everything that happened because I was aware of it. And I was able to go very deep, like not the deep, but deep enough to, to see and experience what a past life was for me. And the, before I would have told you that story, I'd be like, but I'm not suggestible because I'm so analytical and I find it difficult sometimes to be honest with myself, right? So I thought maybe you would say, well, maybe it's radical honesty, but if you're able to cross that barrier when we're relaxed to get into the subconscious, then I am curious why some of us are suggestible and why some of us aren't. It's, well, it, that'll be a... Yeah, <clears throat> but I have many analytical clients because yeah. we are in a society where... The mental activity is quite important, very analytical people. And, and it's always amazing the difference between first session and second sessions. First sessions, sometimes they are still a little bit reluctant. It works, but 
I don't know how it works, but I, I can see that the subconscious starts delivering information, which is which is important, but not too deep. And second session, yeah, we go much deeper. But I love working with uh, analytical people because yeah. it really shows that it works for everyone. And I always say all the answers are within you. And even with some analytical people, I had a client last week and he, he went back to the womb. Wow. Quite quickly. And yeah, and I have okay, I'm in the so... womb and I feel, and it's a lot about what you feel. That's a question I always ask because it, yeah. target is to release the feelings. And yeah, it happens quite a lot that people comes back to scenes Wow. where they are in the womb or very small babies yeah oh each time it's it's amazing wow so, and, uh, yeah. especially as like i'm a parent to a, a two and a half year old a little bit older and this stuff freaks me out though because i'm so aware and i'm like i don't want to mess you up <laughs> oh i don't want to have done something that will have created some pattern for you that when you're 30 you're gonna have to unwind but just to be able, I think what's super powerful is that there's so many, there's so many tools that we have at our disposal to get into deeper states of consciousness. I think that I was watching a documentary about the power of plant medicine, for example, or the studies that they're doing with like LSD. And I remember this one guy in Germany was yeah. able to go back to the womb. But what you're saying is that even not having to use a substance and being able to have support with somebody, not even going super deep into a gamma that someone was able to have that experience and as we wrap up this podcast i'm curious for you because you get to see transformation you are creating transformation in people's lives what is that the one transformation as of today that you will remember for the rest of your life that you were able to help somebody but i've one memory which which comes to my mind, it was two weeks ago. I was with a client and she was going back to a scene that she had worked a lot with other therapists. I think it was a key scene in her life, but she was still holding guilt about it. And she really didn't understood, understand what, why there were still feelings blocked about that scene. And we were into hypnosis and then I asked her one question and I saw her face, a full physiology changed because she understood that for years, for 40 years, she saw that she, she was responsible for, she, she, yeah, she was feeling guilty because her mom did something which was not good toward her and, and yeah, she was still uh, holding guilt. But I asked her one question, and in that stage, she understood that she saved her brother's life in that scene. And she always thought that she was responsible, she armed herself, mm. but she completely changed her point of view. And then I saw tears, but not tears of sadness, tears of gratitude, and tears of, I feel liberated. So I understand. I don't know why, but it was such a powerful moment to me. 
stitches. Sometimes it's uh, it is tough, but the, that type of tears in the eyes of your client, and you know that now they are free, and that will change their whole life. And when it happens, it's such a gift, I would say. I was very grateful for that, but she did the job. But yeah, that's that's of moment you never forgive them, forget them. Forget them. No, you don't. And to me, that's what like wealth is, is being able to release that stuff so you can actually enjoy your money. (laughs) Enjoy that without having that internal blockage of 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 something that you're now fully liberated from as we wrap up the final question is how do you define wealth yeah that's for me wealth is what you value most so as i already mentioned is uh yeah it's about your highest value so we are we all have kind of wealth. So yeah, for me, that's yeah, that's that. about what you value. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you so much for joining. I love this conversation about just unpacking so much, uh, so deep. I didn't even get to ask you about personal finances. That'll be for another <laughs> conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I'm so, so happy that we are connected and part of a community that are really focused on building true freedom in our business and in our life. So if you love this, if you liked it, if you found some value in it, please make sure that you like it and you subscribe to the podcast. If you're feeling extra, extra grateful, share it with a friend, anyone who might have needed this. The more people that we can help collectively, the better we're all going to be. Until next week, have a beautiful, lovely, happy, and fulfilled week.